0: let's do that hockey and welcome back to yet another episode of dauber prospects radio this is episode 85 and after a few month hiatus uh this podcast has come back fast and furious with some uh some rapid fire episodes here. The coronavirus has something to do with that, of course. Uh, but uh, I did an interview with Craig Button recently, and then I had Yoki Nevalainen from Dauber Prospects on. We, we covered the European prospects coming over. And the last episode, I had Joe Maloney from college hockey, and he and I had talked about all of the NCAA players that are turning pro, both free agents and drafted. And uh, today I thought, uh, let's keep that theme going. And let's welcome in from Dauber Prospects, uh, Braden Olofsson. And he and I are going to be covering players coming out of Quebec Major Junior, either draft eligible or possibly turning pro. Welcome back to the podcast, Braden. It's good to have you back on. Hey, Peter.
1: Thanks again for having me.
0: All right. So you're ready to talk a little uh, QM, JHL and fantasy prospects.
1: Yeah. What else are we going to do?
0: Well, that's just it, right? Are, are you still working, or are you self-isolating at home with your fam?
1: Uh, kind of fifty-fifty. We're we're working from home, so uh, we're we're self-isolating too, though. So it's it's been it's been a good. It's definitely been an adjustment. So um, it, it's it's as good a time as any to do a podcast, though, for sure.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have. Time to listen these days too. Yeah. Uh so Pitter Patter, let's get at her. And I think where I'd like to start is um let's start with the the drafted players and then go on to the to the entry draft. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds like good 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 flow. Sounds good All to right. me. All
0: right. So a couple of players I wanted to talk to you about are a little bit under the radar, perhaps lower profile players may not have a tremendous amount of fantasy upside, but they've recently signed uh, contracts and that puts them on my radar. And the first guy I want to talk about is goaltender Kevin Mandaloze, Cape Breton, um, signed by the Ottawa Senators, who drafted him late in 2018. He's a sixth round pick. Um, I don't know a whole lot about this file, um, other than he's you know he's 19 years old, so he's going to be graduating out of uh, the CHL unless he returns for his overage season but based on the fact that the Sens signed him I, I don't think that's a probability 64 uh, 187 and uh, what's the what's the skinny on this kid
1: well Pete, like you say he's a he's a big guy at 64 uh, 187 uh, so he's got that frame that a lot of NHL teams are looking for these days right um, as far as, as as technical abilities go on on, on this profile um, he, he's got a good, good, uh, set of skills for a netminder. Um, I never realized really how much uh, I enjoyed kind of, uh, assessing, assessing goalies until, uh, y- you and I started, uh, talking about this guy. So, um, I, I think in, in watching him throughout the year, uh, he's got, he's got pretty good, uh, rebound control. You know, he put, puts pucks into the corners when, when he's able to, um, i guess where where he struggles in in that regard is when when the play gets a little closer to the net um he he does a pretty good job of not over committing to shooters um but but when he does he's he's pretty pretty good at recovering um you know he he can he can flop around the crease pretty good and and he's he's quite mobile so um he he covers the net really well with that frame obviously but but he's not he doesn't have any lack of mobility either so I think he's got probably a a good trajectory going for him, um, moving into the Sens farm system there. Um, So as far as, as far as his future goes, I I think he's probably uh, looking at definitely a few years in in the, in the minor leagues uh, and, and we'll see how it goes for him. Right. Um, It's, it's tough to project goalies um, much, much further out than a couple of years, I think. Um, And, and the Sens have a couple other um, solid goalies in their system as well. So, He's definitely got a, an uphill battle, but I, I think he's got a lot of good tools to uh, put him on the right path for sure.
0: Yeah, people outside of the audience for Quebec Major Junior League might not have ever heard of him. He's never really played for for Canada. I mean, he backed up for a U18, I think it was, but he never saw any action. Uh, never played World Junior. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty far under the radar, so this is be some good exposure for him. He is only 1% Fantrax owned, so a lot of, lot of ownership opportunity for him. You mentioned the the competition he has with Ottawa, and that's where I run into trouble. Um, so they've got uh, Craig Anderson, who's an unrestricted free agent, who I don't know if they'll sign him back or not, but even if they do, it'll be for such a short-term contract that it won't really affect uh, Mandelose's future with the organization. He'll be he'll be long retired by the time he gets to the NHL uh, but where he does have competition is uh Nielsen Hogberg decord and Gustafson um I find it difficult to to rank these four goalies in terms of their long term fantasy upside I think they all have uh a pretty high floor and a pretty low ceiling I think any of them could be um splitting starting goalies at the NHL or, or a good backup. I don't see any franchise goaltender prospects in this group. Um, but I don't, I don't think Ken Mandelose is any, any better than that. So how, how do you think, and these are all young guys too. How do you think his, his competition fares with all these guys? And, um, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, like you say, I think, um, I think he's, well, first, first off, I think he's got, um, probably at least a four year um, timeline on, on even getting a sniff at the NHL, I think. Um, and, and there, like, like you say, there's a lot of competition there. Um, and, and again, I don't really know uh, how, how to rank him against that competition. Um, I think it's, it's going to come down to um, a one, a one B situation in, in b- both their minor league teams. Um, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll really just have to duke it out, I think. And, um, and and it's a pretty even playing field right now, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean the the upside on him and the wait time, I I wouldn't say he's particularly fantasy relevant, especially when you look at the competition that he's got. I think he's looking at at least a full season in the ECHL next year, if not maybe even two, um, unless yeah. he can outplay some of these guys and and work his way up into the AHL level. But um, maybe just put him on your on your watch list or your radar for now and. Um, keep those roster spots open for some other more immediately or or higher impact upside players. So let's move on to the next guy that signed recently Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs inked their 2019 fourth round pick uh, Mikhail Abramov now I talk a lot about Abramov on this podcast but it's the other Abramov so this one is Mikhail he's a Leafs prospect he's coming out of the queue he plays for the Victoriaville Tigres and he's 19 he's got uh one more year to go in the in the queue and uh what do you uh what do you think about this guy I have I have some thoughts but I'd really like to hear yours first
1: yeah I'd like to hear your yours afterwards as well but um as as far as Abramov goes I I didn't have any in-person uh view viewings of him this year unfortunately I didn't didn't make it out I'm not not 100% sure if Victoriaville even did come to St. John this year uh with with our truncated season uh that it was but Right. um r- regardless i i did get did get some uh some uh digital viewings of him <clears throat> excuse me um and and i i thought uh, i had a couple of interesting thoughts on on abramov obviously he had a he had a bit of an uptick in production this year um he's got a he's got a good shot but i think he played with some pretty good line mates in victoriaville um what i found is that that he uh a lot of his offense was was born of you know him him being in pretty opportunistic uh, open ice situations he had a lot of time to decide what he wanted to do with the puck and uh, and and more often than not he he was able to put it in you know he, he has a good shot um, and and he's uh, you know he's not lacking in that regard at all but like I say I think a lot of his offense was born of, of him having um, some pretty open ice to to work with so I think I think his his trajectory going forward is is definitely um, some growing pains in the AHL um, you know, that, that being said, if, if, if he does play in the AHL indeed right away, there, I think there's also a good chance that he goes directly to Newfoundland here um, to play with the Growlers, which which isn't a bad bad uh, development trajectory either. You know, um, the Leafs have done, done a really good job using their, uh, their tiered development system with uh, Newfoundland and the Marlies. Um, so I, I think he's he's got, like I say, probably a, a good three or four years as well um, before before i think he's making any kind of an offensive impact in the nhl um, and i think i think he's got some uh, some things to learn for sure at the next level
0: yeah i would say he's got some physical growing that needs to happen um 5'11 161 he put up 76 points in 63 games so the skill level is there for sure and competing it you know in junior hockey he can get away with that size and weight deficiency but he's a little bit too easy to to knock off the puck and i don't think he's going to be able to protect the puck very well at higher levels where things are faster and stronger and uh so that's that's a, a big concern i share that with another Leafs prospect and semi and dark i'm just not a big fan of him with his upside um yeah he's he's got a lot of skill and i know that size doesn't matter in the nhl anymore but it It does like you can succeed if you're if you're small, but you have to be able to to overcome that size deficiency because there's still big, strong players in the NHL. And if you're easy to push off the puck and your hockey sense and your physical development isn't capable of of managing that level of hockey, then, uh, you know, it almost doesn't matter how 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 skilled you are. So that's my concern with with Abramov. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think you have to have an objective perspective on on players who who we talk about are are lacking size. You know, it's 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 easy to make a blanket statement that um, that size doesn't matter in the NHL. But but like I say, I think you have to be be objective with what each player does bring to the table, and and if they have the assets that can help them to overcome their uh, their lack of size or their lack of weight, um, then then you know perhaps they can have success. Definitely, but. Uh, in a lot of cases, that that that's a pretty heavy toolbox to to lug around for for a player who, like you say, is only 160 pounds right now.
0: Right, I, I would say height doesn't matter. I think you could be six foot nine or five foot four and sure. still play in the NHL and have an equal amount of success. Um, your game is going to be different depending on the physical attributes you have, but if you're five foot four, um, man, you better be bringing some good assets to the table you've got to have a high hockey iq you've got to be very fast and you got to be very skilled so that the fact that you're you're much much smaller than some of the big wingers and defensemen they're going to be chasing you down trying to hit you if they can't hit you it doesn't matter if you're five four or six nine yep Right. exactly right yeah uh okay so let's talk about some juicier players these guys are some some pretty low profile prospect players so let's let's spice things up a little bit and let's talk about um, some players who are drafted and are fantasy relevant. And um, one thing that I noticed that was interesting in, in doing my research for this episode, um, I went through the Hockey News top 100 prospects and I was looking for players from the queue and there's only four out of the top 100 that are coming from the queue. 4% seems super low <laughs> for for that list. So those players were Samuel Poulin, Raphael Lavoie, Alexander Hovanov and Jacob Pelche. So we're going to talk about Hovanov, um because I want to. Uh, but what's one more player out of that group of four that you think could have um, uh, a relevant or a faster fantasy impact?
1: Well, on on top of Hovanov, I think uh, Sammy Poulin is definitely a guy that that people should keep an eye on. Um, he he um, he drives a lot of the play uh, for Sherbrooke and. And you know he's he's always involved with uh, with the offense. I think I think maybe maybe while he doesn't project necessarily as a as a top line player for for Pittsburgh, I think he's got he's got a lot of range in terms of his projection. I think he'll he'll be able to uh, work his way into the league quite quickly. I think you know he, given his his size and and the kind of skill set that he has, I think he'll be able to uh, find find his way into the NHL perhaps by the time he's he's twenty one. And then uh, work, work his way up the, up the lineup over time, um, Pete. So so he, he's a guy that I, you know, if, I, if I'm looking for a player in the queue that's uh, up and coming and and, and has a, a good ceiling, um, but also can, you know, produce in the short term, a guy that you want to pick up on your fantasy team that, um, you know, you're going to have to immediate value to show for him, right? You know, the, the teams in your league are going to see this guy maybe producing sooner than others. Um, I, I think Sammy Poulin is a, is a guy to uh, keep an eye on, or or just go right ahead and pick up right now.
0: Yeah, you talk about the the ladder he has to climb to get into the roster. It's a pretty short ladder, man. Pittsburgh's prospect pool is barren. It's yeah. him and and nobody else. Uh, yeah. and their NHL roster, you know, it's it's built around Crosby and Malkin, and as those guys begin to you know wind down and age out. Uh, Pittsburgh is going to have a lot of opportunity they're going to be looking to trade players and and assets off their roster for for futures to help replenish that prospect pool uh, and give him some support down the road um another player on this list, raphael Lavoie, just just a little note on him this little red flag that I have and you know maybe this is just my bias but when he was drafted on the second day in Vancouver, uh, we were talking about guys that were picked in the first round and a lot of people were saying that they, they didn't really like the Lavoie pick to Edmonton and that uh, Edmonton doesn't have a, a great track record of developing prospects. And you look at the uh, the players that they had that, you know, Hall and Eberle and Nuge, and they threw all those money at those players. And, you know, the the word around the campfire was that those guys just liked to to party and have a good time and they got their money and they weren't really motivated to win Um And then the the knock on Lavoie is his competitiveness and his consistency. And so there's a lot of people thinking that Lavoie to Edmonton is a recipe for disaster. So that concerns me on that player. Um, The couple other players that I wanted to talk about that didn't crack the top 100 that I think will be turning pro this year and you definitely want to keep an eye on. uh, I've talked about him several times before on the podcast, and he was injured for the the end of the season. But Dmitry Zavgorodny. Uh, coming out of Ramouski, playing on a line with Alexei Lafreniere, who we'll talk about later. Uh, he's having a monster season. He was dominating at the Super Series selection tournament for Russia when they came through the queue. Uh, I think he's an under-the-radar player with a super high skill level, and I'm very interested to see what he does next year playing at the pro level. What's your thoughts on Zavgorodny?
1: Yeah, yeah, Zavgorodny. Um, I, think, I think he gets... Uh, written off quite quickly in some cases pete you know you know playing playing on a line with uh alexi lafreniere right so there's there's a a couple ways to uh take the assessment on on zap right you you can go that path of saying that a lot of his offense is is born of of that that excellent combination that he's got with lafreniere but um i think i think he's got a lot of aspects of his game that are underrated he's he's able to move his feet really well and create space for his line mates, you know, it not, not only himself but, but the, the team as a whole. Um, so I think once he, once he gets separated from Lafreniere on a, on a, on a, on a basis of an entire season, I think we'll see that, you know, there, there actually is some, some good upside with him. And um, I think obviously he's going to have to be paired with, with line mates who can um, dominate a little more physically than he can perhaps. Um, so, so they can complement each other well. But I think he's got a really good mind for the game. I think I think he finds open ice himself and and creates it as well, and and puts pucks in the right areas for for his line mates to score. So, um, I I think he's definitely got some upside. There's there's maybe a risk reward uh, trade off that that people will uh, will have to balance if they're if they're considering picking him up for sure. Um, it's it's not like he's a I don't think he's a home run by any means, but. I think there I think there is the upside for sure and and I think we'll get to know it over the next year or two as he makes his way into the pro circuits so um, but but definitely an interesting case and by no means I don't think should anybody uh, write him off just based on
0: on who he's playing with for sure. So I haven't seen him play live, but seen him on TV a couple of times. And the things that stand out to me are that he can create offense all on his own with his puck control and his speed and his silky smooth hands and skill level. So, first of all, that translates well to the next level. But secondly, it's a skill to be able to play with elite players like Lafreniere, players that move and think at an elite speed. And Lafreniere does that. And Zavgorodny can keep up with that. Um, and so that that's important, I, and I think that will translate very well to higher levels as well. So the only thing that concerns me is his size. He's a little bit on the slight side, um, 5'9", 174. But uh, I'm less concerned about that as I am with some of the other players that we've that I talked about. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another- I, would, I
1: would, I would, I would take Zagorany over over a, a good handful of players that. You know, we would see go in in the range of the draft that that he was picked in, which I believe was the seventh round. Calgary's going to have a lot of opportunity to to play with him and 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 mold him into the type of player that that they want him to be and who they want him to play with. So I think a lot of upside for sure.
0: Yeah, I hope he plays in in the AHL um, this coming season. Uh, so another player that's going to be playing in the AHL and that'll be with um, I think San Diego Gulls. He's a Ducks prospects Is Benoit Olivier Gru Bo Gru. Um, he's uh he's a nice two way center. I think his ceiling is a little bit more limited, but his floor is is pretty reliable. Uh, I see him projecting in time into the NHL as a really great third line center. Uh, he'll be strong on draws, uh, not a liability either way. Uh, he plays a an, a an aggressive physical game. He's been a captain. His uh, his dad's a coach. Uh, so there's a lot, I think, of versatility and value in Bo Grew. Uh, I think his his hockey value will far outweigh his fantasy value. Um, but I think he's a player that I really like anyways. And and I don't think it'll take too long for him to graduate to the NHL. I think a year in the AHL ought to do it for him.
1: Yeah, you you took you almost took the words right out of my mouth, Pete. I, I, I agree with uh, just about every, every uh, component of your assessment there. I think... He's uh, he's got a pretty short um, short path to making it to the NHL. I think a lot of uh, what he brings to the table is is already at a level that that he can slide into a a, a deeper role in an NHL lineup for sure. Um, he he plays a lot in front of the net and and does a really good job uh, creating creating traffic and, and creating offense um, for his team by by you know being a nuisance in front of the net as well. He's got a pretty pretty big body and. Uh, and, and he creates offense in the way that, you know, we'd probably see a, an NHL third liner create offense, I think. So I, I think he's got a pretty, um, a pretty not, not guaranteed, but uh, a pretty good chance of, of being that type of a player in the NHL. I don't think there's a whole lot of risk involved in, in taking a player like Bo Grew for sure.
0: Right on. Uh, another player that I'm not sure how much you, you've been able to watch him play, but uh, is San Jose's Sharks prospect. Uh, Vladislav Kotkov plays for Shakutimi. He's put up 46 points in 51 games. He'll be turning pro. Um, do you have any, any thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're pretty accurate in, in, in uh, in thinking that I, I, I haven't seen, uh, Kotkov play a whole lot and, and, uh, Shik- had, had a really good team this year. Um, he obviously had some production on that team. I, I don't know, um, you know, what, what his projection really is, uh, he, he's played a game with, with uh, the Barracuda, the AHL, last year um, after wrapping up the year. But, um, yeah, I, like I say, I don't have a really great assessment of him, Pete. Okay,
0: well, he's only 1% fan track zoned. He's turning pro, and I think the Sharps have a, a pretty thin prospect pool, too. So keep an eye on what he does in the AHL next season would be my suggestion. And uh, I own him in in one of my really deep leagues. Uh, picked him up as a free agent closer towards the end of the season. Uh, he kind of kind of got on my radar a little bit. Um, I would like to see him play either live or, or even on TV, um, just going from some comments and stuff that I've read online. Uh, so I'll just share that little tidbit with anyone that's listening. Uh, all right, so that's a bunch of players that are drafted and are turning pro uh, that you want to keep in mind for your fantasy radar. So if you've got a prospect draft coming up, Let's talk about some guys whose name we might hear. Um, well, I was about to say at the draft in Montreal this summer, but um, at the draft online whenever it takes place <laughs> is probably what it's going to be. Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 So, an awkward segue here is we're, we're talking about uh, players from the queue and drafted players and undrafted players. Yegor Sokolov kind of fits in the middle there. He's a, uh, I think he's a a two-year overage draft-eligible player. And um, he got on my radar watching those Super Series uh, audition games with with Russia in the queue. Uh, he played on a line with Hovnov and um, Zavgorodny, and he made the Russian World Junior Team. And uh, he's, he's humongous. He's 6'4", 240 pounds, 19 years old. Uh, I think it's safe to say that he went undrafted because he's overweight. Two hundred and forty pounds is a little on the heavy side for the NHL level. So I think he's, you know, he's got to work on that. But he's looking like a player that's potential to be finally drafted. Uh, if he is this year, I'm sure it'll be in the back half of the draft. Um, but hey, man, it's hard to to ignore the stats that he's put up. Uh, 52 games, 46 goals and 46 assists for 92 points. And he looked pretty good for Russia at the World Juniors too. Um what's your thoughts on on this big Russian kid?
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. The first first thing you notice with Sokolov is is obviously his size, right? 6'4", um two, 240, somewhere, you know, I think he plays somewhere between that 230-240 range. Um but a, a point on Sokolov that I I kind of want to make Pete going back to your interview with Craig Button was that um, a player who makes enormous jumps year to year um, and and isn't drafted, you know, on on his original eligibility year is is someone you want to kind of take note of and and dig into why that is. And he, over the last year, Sokolov had an increase of uh, what I worked out to 212. percent So he went from 0.83 points per game to 1.76 points per game. Massive increase in in production in, in Cape Breton. So um, th- there's you know, some of that can obviously be attributed to his size. I think Um, he he played on a good team in Cape Breton. So there was a lot of uh, a lot of sharing the puck and, and, and really dominate dominating team um, in terms of their systems in, in Cape Breton. And he really capitalized on that. Um, And then, like I say, obviously I think his size played a, played a major factor. Um, I I'm really interested to hear, you know, if he does get drafted this year um, hear from the team that, that selects him and, and really, uh, get to know what they they envision as his upside in, in the nhl or or in the minor leagues it's he, he is a really interesting case like you say you know the, the, the component of his size um, combined with outstanding production really this year um, makes him a really interesting player to look at but i i would be very cautious with Sokolov. he he plays um, kind of a slow game you know like you say maybe overweight um, so so there, there's, I think there's a lot of caution to be had around around his profile. Um, but, you know, potentially there is some upside for sure. Um, I just wouldn't be willing to uh, put my name on for it, I don't think.
0: Yeah, he's got a good shot. Um, he's got good hands, but he's got heavy feet. And if he can't keep the weight down, then that's not going to speed him up. So, I mean, hey, it's, it's possible that he shaves 20 pounds off and work six skating is something that that you can fix if he puts in the work so what he's got is a lot of work and if he's prepared to not eat mcdonald's and hit the gym every day of the year um like right through the summer and not put any weight back on and 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 practice and work on his skating and and his first step acceleration in particular then uh then he's got a chance but um you know just to jump in
1: again, Pete, I, I, to another point that, that yourself and, and Craig Button made uh, there a couple of weeks ago, was that um, with a player like him, he's he's obviously dominated this level. Um, perhaps the right development path for him is to move right into the ECHL, you know, not be rushed into the AHL even, and I, and I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but but move him into the ECHL, and, and for whichever team that does maybe decide to draft him, uh, let him dominate there. Um, which I, I think he can do. You know, I, I think he can move into the ECHL. There seems to be a pretty pretty broad gap between the East Coast League and, and the American League um, as opposed to what the gap is between the American League and the NHL, I think. So I think he could move into the East Coast League, build some confidence there, get get the right attitude, get the right conditioning in place, and then maybe move on. And and in that case, if, if we see kind of a, a development path like that, um, you know, perhaps there is some really, really good uh, upside. But I, I think that'll be a couple of years in the making still.
0: Right. Um, okay, so let's let's ramp things up a little bit and let's go right to the top and let's hit on Alexis Lafreniere. Center for Mouski is going first overall in the draft, in my opinion. He's first overall on pretty much everybody's draft rankings list uh, for two reasons. Um, he dominated in the CHL this year with 112 points. He dominated for Canada at the World Juniors. He showed that he's got an elite level skill uh vision, and he plays uh, a more physical game than I thought at the start of the year. Uh, I've been impressed with, with his physicality and his size. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was an asset or a liability, but it turns out uh, to be more of an asset than anything. And I think he's NHL ready. I think he's ready to go into the NHL and, and produce a 60 point season as a rookie. Um, you've re- referenced the button podcast a few episodes ago and he's he said that he doesn't think that the NHL's developmental league and he sees guys go from the draft into the NHL and and they have like 19 point seasons and and 80 games or or something to that effect and they have a development season well that's that's stunting of their growth and i don't think that it should be a, an assured thing that if a player is drafted first overall that he has to go into the NHL. That seems to be some sort of unwritten rule, but I think it can be very erroneous. And if you know, Bufflin ends up going first overall. I sure hope he doesn't play in the NHL right away. But wherever Lafreniere goes, I think his next game is going to be in the NHL as a rookie. Um, do you do you kind of have any counterpoint to that, or you well, any, any thoughts? Well, that? yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: f- first of all, I don't think I, I I don't think I'm quite prepared well enough to. Um, get into the argument of Lafreniere versus uh, Byfield for first overall. Um, I, I do, though, however, have a lot of strong feelings about Lafreniere being, like you say, a really elite player. What I saw from him in a couple opportunities that I had to see him play with with Ramuski this year, and then on top of that, obviously, we had our, our World Juniors to uh, to get a lot of exposure to him as well. But what I saw in Ramuski is that, granted, at the QMJHL level, um, Lafreniere has the ability to, uh, outwit an entire five man system. You know, he, he, as as one player, um, has, has such an exceptionally high hockey IQ that, that he can, he can carry a puck into an offensive zone and almost like, you know, playing chess, he, he, he moves it into a certain position and, and knows exactly where he's, he's pulling defenders and where he's opening up holes for his line mates and, and knows exactly when to distribute the puck and, and give his, his team uh, obviously an opportunity to put the puck in the net. Um, And then, then he's got no trouble doing that all by himself either. You know, he can, he can again, create those holes and get, get to them himself. You know, he's got a great, great first stride. So when he, when he sucks defenders away, he can, he can escape, you know, he's, he's quite elusive. So he can, he can find his way to the front of the net, the side of the net, and he can put the puck in the net from just about anywhere on the ice as well. So uh, a a ton of uh, tools there to love in a player. Um, I've, really got no doubts for his future in the NHL. I don't think that's even worth discussing. So um, like I say, I think a very, very high hockey IQ, um, far above uh, what what is uh, worth competing in in the queue. You know, there's no, no way whatsoever, I think, he has any benefit of going back to the queue next year. Um, so I, I think um, as opposed to players who have been drafted in the top, two or top three the last couple of years, I, I think, like you say, I think he'll jump right into the league and I think he'll have a lot of success. Um, it'll be great to see him paired up with, with some excellent line mates, you know, perhaps if he goes to uh, Anaheim play with Ryan Getzlaf there, I think that would be an awesome combination, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see uh, what, what the draft lottery holds and, and what the draft holds, obviously.
0: Right, right. Well, I think there's little question that he'll, he's the top player coming out of the queue at the very least. Uh, So some other players coming out of the queue, uh, you can rank these in a, a wide variety of different ways. So in no particular order, let's start in your backyard. And someone who I'm really interested in is a defenseman, Jeremy Poirier. He scored 20 goals as a defenseman in a short season, 53 points, uh, I see him in and out of the first round in a couple people's lists. Uh, is he just an offensive defenseman? Does he have some some warts defensively? Uh, does he play a physical game? Give us a little bit more complete picture on Mr. Poirier.
1: Yeah, you you make a good point there, Pete. Is that the the next couple of players who are ranked in, in out of, coming out of the QMJHL? Um, you, you probably could rank them in in any number of orders, um, but personally, I, and and I might be biased. I, I've seen Jeremy Poirier play quite a bit. Um, I think he is the best defenseman who will come out of the queue this year. I know there's a lot of debate definitely between him and Justin Barron. Uh, Justin Barron is a good um, quarterback, I guess, is, is one way to put his, his style of play. I think he um, controls the puck really well. He's poised. Uh, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He, he, uh, he distributes the puck well and, and gets it to the net. Um, but Poirier has uh, something that you don't see in a lot of defensemen. Um, He almost plays like he's a forward in some cases, you know, like like he uh, perhaps maybe I'm I'm not 100 percent sure his background, but it almost seems like sometimes he played his midget career as a forward and then transitioned to defense um, in the queue. But he's got exceptional elusiveness. He moves his feet really well and and controls the puck extremely well when he's moving his feet. Um, So no trouble in terms of skating or, or puck handling. He's got really good edge work in tight spaces. He doesn't have a problem. Uh, rushing the puck through the neutral zone and and back behind the goal line, uh, keeping control of the puck there and setting up plays in the offensive zone, he 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 really likes to have the puck on his stick. That's for sure. Um, I guess where that does um, you know fringe on the border of whether or not that's a total asset and and perhaps maybe a bit of a liability is is the fact that that Poirier definitely has shown some signs that that he can expose his team to some breakdowns. And at times they, those can work out to be kind of catastrophic. Um, St. John didn't play an awesome defensive system this year, in my opinion. Um, and and that kind of goes through their entire lineup. And Poirier is definitely not an exemption. Uh, I think he left his team out to dry on occasion. And uh, there, there's definitely some liability to be had there. I think that can definitely be worked out of his game. Um, and and exchange for what he does bring to the table, I think I think there's a lot of offensive upside there. So in terms of fantasy, definitely I think Poirier is, is the first option in terms of defensemen to come out of the league this year.
0: So for defensemen, I like to notice them if they're being offensive. You know, they carry the puck up the the ice with the Blom. Uh, they run the the power play on the quarter, uh, the quarterback the power play on the point. Um, I find it impressive when players can. Command respect while holding possession of the puck on the blue line, and that the forechecking player is afraid to be too aggressive because they know they'll get beat or they'll be drawn out of position. Uh, Thomas Caribay was was fantastic at that. Um, and then what I I like to not notice that they have to look to see is when they don't have the puck on their stick in their own zone. Are they is is he just standing around? Or is he anticipating plays? Is he making interceptions? Is he does he panic under pressure and duress? Can he get the the puck out? Does he make smart decisions defensively? Because obviously he knows how to make smart decisions offensively. Yeah. Um, what's his defensive hockey IQ like?
1: Well, I, I think I think there's very little panic in his game. Quite honestly, um, he, he does a, a pretty good job of holding his position at the blue line and and pinching when it's appropriate. He's got he's got the skill that allows him to do that. Um, But when he does get beat is, is where things really go wrong for him. You know, he, he's able to uh, up until up until a certain point, uh, maintain poise and, and maintain composure um, when, when he still kind of has the upper hand, when, when the rush begins uh, is more when you see some, uh, some, some panic, maybe take, take, take uh, place in, in Poirier's game. Um, the assignments that he kind of chooses to pursue when when the opposition is rushing rushing their zone is questionable in some cases. Uh, he played a lot with another player that maybe we'll talk about later is William Villeneuve. And, and they kind of, uh, I don't think they complemented each other very well. They're both pretty offensive defensemen and they hung each other out to dry a lot. I think, a lot of the time, I um, I really grew to um, not like Villeneuve's uh, defensive game a lot. And and I think I put a lot of the weight of their breakdowns on Villeneuve. But I think Poirier does share almost an equal weight to that. Um, Poirier has more of an explosive offensive game than Villeneuve. Um, but again, when they when they play together, they, they break down together. And uh, it, it seems like... Um, like I say on, on the rush is, is when, uh, when Pory breakdown sort of begins. So that's, that's something that he's definitely got to develop. I think a good chunk of that he can develop at the QMJHL level, um, over the next year, he's, he's obviously not making the jump to the NHL next year. So it's something that, you know, when he's out of his draft year, I think he will be able to focus a little more on his defense. And I think whatever team chooses him in the draft will, uh, you know, be able to come to St. John and say, well, we're not so much so much worried about Jeremy's offense this year. We really want him to focus on uh his defensive game. You know, we really want to see what he's got in terms of um protecting his own zone and and uh preventing those defensive breakdowns.
0: So, just want to clarify something. You said that, that things go wrong for him when he starts on the rush. Does that Sorry. I, you mean like defending on the rush or Exactly, Defe- defending the rush. Um not okay.
1: not on the offensive rush. On the offensive rush you know, he can drive the play, no problem. Um, he, he That, doesn't that can lead, lead to forward. problems.
0: Yeah, that can lead to problems too, though. If, you know, he's carrying the puck too long and, and skating it into a dead play deep in yep. the offensive zone, and then if no one's covering for him, that that can lead to problems. Or if he's jumping in the rush when he shouldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, you make a good point. They, they don't point have there. a solid enough possession. Um, okay, and you you talked a little bit about his his partner William Villeneuve, who who I wanted to to touch on as well. He actually slightly outscored Poirier, Uh fifty eight points versus for uh, fifty three. Uh, he had a lot more assists than goals. Um, so is he uh, he's obviously less of a of a shooter, less joining on the rush, and more of a a breakout pass and and playmaker sort of offensive defenseman.
1: Yeah, I, I don't even know that I would say he's less of a shooter. I think I think Villeneuve um makes most of his offense of contributions from the blue line. He he uh I, I think he, he gets a lot of those assists off of off of uh net front tips and that's that sort of thing. He he does command a little bit more respect on the power play, especially um than than uh Poirier does, at, at least from the blue line. Poirier uh is able to to bring the puck into into the offensive zone and play with a little bit more below the hash marks um where Villeneuve doesn't get quite as aggressive in that regard um you know he he like I say he plays a little bit more from the from the blue line um where I really struggle with with Villeneuve's game is on the defensive side and I I kind of alluded to that when we were talking about Poirier but I really think he selects his defensive assignments poorly um, when when they're defending against the rush whether it's Villeneuve with with Poirier or Villeneuve with the Roche um, either either combination or, or any combination for that matter I think Villeneuve leaves his goalies out to dry um, and and it's probably something that can be learned you know he, he does have a really good um, set of tools um, and and I've heard from other people you know that perhaps maybe when he came into the to the queue that his his um, his assignments or, or his uh, path of development rather as a, as a 16 year old um, was, was part of the part of the reason why he, why he didn't develop quite so well. Um, he was, he was kind of thrown, thrown to the wolves, so to speak, I guess when he came in as a 16 year old and uh, you know, maybe he's just trying to compensate for, for his lack of offense or, or la- r- rather his lack of offense as, as a 16 year old um, by, by making some, some questionable plays defensively this year. So.
0: All right, good stuff. So let's switch teams now, and let's talk about uh, another pretty high-profile player, and that would be Hendrix LaPerriere. He only played in 19 games in his draft-eligible season. He missed some time due to concussion, but he put up 17 points in that span. Uh, He was dominant for Canada at... uh, I think it was the Holinka. Looked pretty great there. Um, A lot of players... A lot of scouts are are really high on him, and they're giving him the benefit of the doubt that this concussion won't be a reoccurring injury and have him ranked very high. Other people, maybe because he only had limited viewings this season, don't have as a strong opinion about him and have him ranked a little bit lower. Where does he he fit in on your barometer here?
1: Yeah, uh, like you say, Pete, another player I didn't have a a great opportunity to uh, see this year um, played a pretty limited season, um, in terms of his, uh, QMJHL play this year, but definitely a a guy who again can create space. And and this is just based on, on some, some, uh, video viewings of him. And, and in some regard, I I find it a little difficult to assess a player, um, that way, as opposed to seeing them in person. So, um, take what I'm saying in a grain of salt with a grain of salt for sure. But, um, he, he, he does have the ability to create space um, and, and he distributes the puck quite well, in, in my opinion. So, uh, again, those are, those are based on some pretty limited um, viewings online. And uh, I, I definitely do want to see him, uh, you know, de- continue to develop at, at the Q level. Um, I think he's got some really good upside, but um, I don't think he's ready to step up to the next level quite yet.
0: All right. So another player that ended up playing for Chicoutimi is uh Theo Rochette. Played uh 30 games with Quebec and about 20 with Chicoutimi. Um I don't really know much about this guy. Uh fill me in.
1: Yeah, uh Theo, Theo Rochette was a, a player I liked. You know, when I first moved out to St. John last year, or the St. John area rather, um, he was one of the first players that that really caught my eye playing against the Sea Dogs. Um he, he has a, a lot of really good tools. This year he finished the year in in Quebec, so actually, I didn't have an opportunity to see him play live this year, but but last year I had a lot of lot of opportunity to see him play, and um, I, I liked what I saw last year. I, I don't think he had uh, quite as much um, progression as some people might have expected him to have this year. Uh, the trade to Quebec from Shakutami might have you know disturbed his uh, his growth a little bit, but he, he's a smaller player. Um, but he doesn't let that lack of size, you know, hamper his game too much. That's that's something we talked about earlier. He's I think he is a player who I think he plays around five ten. Um doesn't quite let that uh lack of size. I think he's hundred and sixty pounds, probably roughly two, doesn't let that um define his game. Uh he, he definitely does need to add some strength. Um but Again, I don't think it lets it. It defines his game uh, too much. He he plays a pretty safe game, though. Uh, he's not as dynamic as a lot of other players who who might get picked in the first few rounds of the draft. I don't see him being a, a top two round pick, or or maybe even a top three round pick. But once once teams get to the point where they're more comfortable picking a player who they think is is a safe player, and and uh, you know might might play perhaps in their bottom six in the future, I think Theo Rochette is probably going to be a pretty good pickup.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, another player that was traded in his draft year, uh, Dawson Mercer. He actually made the Canadian World Junior team. Didn't uh, didn't put up any points. Didn't see a lot of ice. Um, but the fact that he made the team as an eighteen year old is is very impressive. Um, I like him as a as a goal scorer. I think he's got some great skill. Um, did you get a chance to see him play live very much this season?
1: Yeah. um, And and I was I was disappointed that he didn't get a whole lot of deployment at the World Juniors. You know, obviously it worked out for Canada the way it did. um, But but I thought Dawson Mercer deserved to be there. Um, And like I said, disappointing that it worked out the way it did for him. But but at at the the live viewings that I had of Dawson Mercer were at the at the two uh, Canada Russia Series games out here in New Brunswick. And I was really impressed with him. I thought he was Canada's uh, one, one of Canada's best players. Both games, obviously, the friend year was there as well. Um, but but Dawson Mercer uh, re- really rose to the occasion when it came to playing against you know the best best competition from from Russia. And uh, and and he really he really stuck out to me uh, playing with uh, playing with Team Canada or, or rather rather with with the Q team. Um, the way I kind of see Dawson Mercer developing in the future, Pete, is that. Um, I think he, he brings a lot of uh, the two-way game that a player like, like Anthony Sorelli plays now. So the type of player that we've seen Sorelli develop into in the NHL um, isn't necessarily the type of player that we, we maybe would have forecasted him as uh, coming out of junior. But um, I think Dawson Mercer has a lot of those similar aspects to his game that, that he, he could very easily project to be a player like Anthony Sorelli was this year. And and even have a higher ceiling. Obviously, he supports the puck really well um, in terms of the defense. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't leave his defenseman out to dry, um, and and he's always a good outlet for 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 the breakout and whatnot. So, and then when, once he gets into the offensive zone, he controls the puck well as well.
0: Right on. All right, next guy I have on my list that I'd like to hear a little bit more about is Lucas Cormier, another defenseman. This one's playing for Charlottetown Islanders, 36 points in 44 games, a um, little on the underside size as well, 5'10", 170. Not, uh, not a red flag, but, you know, size isn't a strength to his game. What uh, What does he bring to the table? Sure, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, like I kind of alluded to when we talked about Poirier and when we talked about uh, Justin Barron is, uh, I think Lucas Cormier is another one of those defensemen who you might be able to put in a ball and and just pick one out. And I'm not sure which, which player is going to be end up being picked first. I know Cormier is, is ranked typically lower than, than the other two of those guys. Um, in, in my opinion, he plays a, a game more similar to Justin Barron. He's not quite as dynamic as Poirier is but, but he plays a really, really strong defensive game. Um, there's, there's no complaints in in that regard as far as his game goes. I don't think, um, he skates with the puck really well. Um, if, if given the opportunity to, he can, he can beat defensemen as well. You know, like I say, not, not quite as dynamic as Poirier, but he can weasel his way kind of through the neutral zone and, and create offense as well. Um, where maybe he he does lack a little bit is is um holding the blue line as as strong as a guy like Justin Barron or um
0: or other other
1: more defensive defensemen i i think he he can um he can uh lack a little bit in that regard um but for the most part when he's carrying the puck uh i have a lot of confidence in his game he uh he doesn't cough it up um when he's carrying it he uh He'll definitely make the extra effort to make a good play and, and ensure that his team maintains possession of the puck. Um, so I think I think again, there's probably a, a safe aspect to his game. Uh, maybe not the offensive upside that we would see with with Poirier, um, and maybe not the the upside um, in terms of a 200 foot game that we would see with Justin Barron. But um, still, still I think a, a worthy defenseman of, of perhaps the the very late first round um, or early second round.
0: All right. It's a fantasy draft. Your pick's up. You need a defenseman, and you can choose Poirier, Cormier, or Barron. Who do you take? In what order? How do you rank them?
1: Uh, I think it's Poirier, hands down, with with the first pick, if, if I'm looking for a defenseman uh, for a fantasy league. Um, and then be- between Cormier and, and Barron, it's, it's, it's probably dealer's choice. I, I, I probably err on the side of Justin Barron, because I think he has... Um, a slightly quicker path to the NHL. He does have the size right now going for him. Um, that's not to say that long term Justin Barron. I I don't know for sure is going to be the the more offensive player. I think I think him and Cormier might plateau around the same level in terms of their NHL offense. Um, but I I think if I'm if I'm thinking purely from a fantasy regard, um, then probably Justin Barron because. Because I think I think uh, the way that your fantasy competition sees your players, you know, from an asset management perspective, if you've got a player who's producing earlier and you can trade him for another player that you need, then then you want a guy who's you know showing some results right away. And, and Justin Barron is probably that player on a on a shorter timeline
0: than than Lucas Cormier is. Sure, and who what NHL teams draft them could could change that as well. Uh, okay, so two more players coming up. Centers from Shuunigbin, Maverick Bork, and Vasily Pomerayev. Let's yeah. uh, let's start with Bork. Uh, Seventy-one points, twenty-nine goals, and forty-nine games. Uh, he's he's ranked in some people's first rounds. Where do you see him going?
1: Yeah, that, it, it's in my opinion, it's probably a, a pretty good spot to have him. I think uh, Central Scouting has Maverick Bork um, in in the late first round as well. Um, a, a little bit of a smaller guy, I think. 180 pounds roughly um he's he's a very very good shooter he's he's smart in terms of uh, the way that he he uh shoots the puck in fact he, he uh he's a guy who you know in most cases knows where he's putting the puck long before it's ever on his stick you know and, and, and in a lot of cases that's that's in the back of the net um he, he knows where on the net he's shooting it he, he's able to pick goalies apart quite quite uh Effortless, effortlessly, in my opinion. Um, where I have some questions in, in Bork's game is, is when he begins to carry the puck. Um, and this might sound goofy, but uh, the longer he carries the puck, um, the less confidence I have in, in how the play is going to end up. And what I mean by that is is that when he carries the puck for longer stretches of time, he seems to develop a little bit of tunnel vision Um, whereas, like I say, if, if he, if he's able to get the puck, if he knows where he's going with the puck right away, it, it usually turns out really well for, for Schwinnigan. Um, but if, if he holds onto the puck, he gets that tunnel vision. He can kind of work himself into some, some holes in the offensive zone, turn the puck over and whatnot. Um, so he, uh, he has some questions, uh, on his offensive side, but really a, a high level sniper. He's got, he's got that, that tool that, um, NHL level snipers have in in terms of knowing where the puck's going before it's on his stick. Um, in terms of his skating, he he doesn't blow me away. He's not the fastest player on the ice, um, and and nor does he have the best you know first stride, length of the stride, that kind of thing. But um, like like you say, that's something that probably can be worked on. Um, where he makes up for it is, is kind of with his determination. I, I think he he works hard for pucks. Um, and, and he develops himself in, in some sense. Uh, I, I find, uh, this year compared to last year, and this is again, going off of some, some video, uh, references. I, I, I did see Maverick work play live this year, but, um, in terms of, uh, how he's, uh, progressed his game, I think he, he takes a little bit more risks, um, or, or challenges himself a little bit more in terms of where he's shooting the puck from or how he's trying to score. And and he has the he has the skills to to be able to make those plays. So um I, I think there's a lot of growth to be had in his game. And uh the, the late first round, perhaps mid first round wouldn't wouldn't be a terrible spot, I don't think, for him. Um and moving on to the to the next player that you're talking about is um Vasily Ponomarev. Um I, I think I'm saying his last name, right-ish Ponomarev. Don't um, ask me. <laughs> anyways, I I think the two of them, I I, want to say there's a a bit of a gap in the way that they've been ranked. Um, But, but Potomarev, the Russian, um, I think has um, some more um, high level tools than, than Bork does in in some regard. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of him going in the range that he's ranked in. And and I think that's kind of the late second round, early third round. I, I think if, if someone's able to snap him up and, in that spot of the draft, I think that's, I think that's a really good spot for him. Um, he, uh, he does have um, a little bit bigger frame, um, but he's, he's, he's got a lot of strength to his game. You know, he, he uses his body to protect the puck almost, almost on a shift by shift basis. And and he uses that to create offense. He's got, he got a pretty good ability to finish plays. Um, and, and like I say, he, he uses his body really well to, edge players out and and to move his way around the offensive zone um i don't think he overutilizes that in any means though uh i think i think he uh think he does a good job of of playing efficiently uh not overexerting himself in terms of trying too hard to overpower a player he he's able to main sa- maintain some level of composure while still uh working his way with with strength around the offensive zone um another thing he does is he, he makes some some really ballsy plays in my opinion with the puck. He, uh, he'll, he'll, you know, do, do some, some loose puck da- dangles that, that other players definitely wouldn't try. Um, and, and he does them well. Um, but it's something that I kind of get a little leery with, uh, him taking that kind of a, a game to the next level. I don't think he's going to have quite the amount of space that he has in the queue or, or where he played last year in the, in the MHL, the, the, the junior league in, in Russia. Um, I don't know if he's going to have quite as much forgiveness in, in terms of making those plays at the next level. And uh, I think he's going to have to make up for, for that lack of creativity or that lack of, of offense in another way. And and that might be by utilizing his strength, which, which, like I said, he he's, he's able to do right now, but um, may, maybe that's the reason why he's ranked a little lower than, than Maverick Bork. But um, I do think there's a ton of offensive upside with Ponemara for sure.
0: Yeah, he's a ninth overall import pick this last summer um, by Schoenigan. and this, this is his first season in North America and he started off pretty strong with six points at the uh, at the Holinka for for Russia in five games. Um, you might worry about the Russian factor, but the fact that he's already transitioned over to North America uh, bodes well for that. Um, it doesn't mean that Regardless of where he's drafted, if he play another season in the CHL, it doesn't mean that he won't sign a KHL contract rather than just spend some development time in the AHL. Um, I personally would prefer to see players develop in the AHL because, well, for a couple reasons. One, there's no transfer agreement with the NHL and KHL. So if they signed a two-year contract and they develop really fast and they're ready to go in the NHL, you still have to wait out the contract. The team can't call them up. Uh, and I don't think that the KHL gives a lot of... It's not a developmental league. It's a pro league. And they don't worry so much about developing players as they do competing and winning games. Whereas the AHL, it's a pro league, sure, but it's a feeder league for the NHL. So there's a lot more emphasis on player development and that you're in the team's system. uh, You're working with the player development coaches and I think it's a faster track to the NHL for players to play in in North America if their goal is the NHL so we'll see where he plays where he's drafted and how this all works out for him uh I, I think there's there's some intrigue for me with this guy for sure um okay so that's all the players I have on my list I know that you want to talk about one or two more you got another player from St. John's that uh is on the tip of your tongue let's 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 learn about this guy
1: yeah, well, a, cu- a couple of them that are definitely ranked um, in in Brady Burns and Charlie Deroche, um, but then another in in Josh Lawrence. Josh Lawrence is a guy that didn't fall in uh, Central Scouting's final rankings. Um, I don't want to say that's a mistake. I I, I don't want to call out any any um, you know authority in terms of in terms of their rankings. I don't have the balls to do it myself. So um, by no means am I am I calling out anybody's rankings. But I think Josh Lawrence, um, given the opportunity has, has, uh, some upside at the next level. He's a, he's a smaller player, 58 170 pounds. Um, but I think he has an excellent two-way game. Um, I think he's got some growth in his game, obviously, um, in terms of size one, but also in terms of offense, he played really well as a rookie last year. And then, and then this year maybe didn't have quite the uh, growth that, that a lot of people expected him to have, but, um, I think he supports the play right, right all through 200 feet of the ice really well, and and maybe where he struggles a little bit is is in controlling the puck. Um, I think that's something he definitely uh, has has some room for improvement in. Um, he he bobbles passes from time to time, but he did improve in in that regard over the year quite a bit. Um, he he can really be be fire on the ice. You know he can he can break the puck out of the zone um either single handedly or or you know with with his his line mates really well he's got a lot of speed a lot of foot speed a lot of the time and uh i just really like his game at at the junior level and that's not saying a whole lot but um he's a player i'd really like to see move on to the next level and get, get an opportunity to play at least in the ahl at some point in his career
0: what do you think's keeping him off the radar for now well
1: i think i think his production was a big factor this year he uh like I say, he, he he was probably expected to move up into that 60-point range um, with other players in, in this draft class. He, he did a pretty good job coming into the league as a 16-year-old and showed a lot of promise. I think he's got a lot of the fundamental skills that that um, teams really do want, and that's why I wouldn't necessarily put it out of the range of possibilities for, for a team to pick him up maybe later in the draft this year. Um, and I, I think a lot of people expected that to bear fruits. Um it, at least in in uh, more uh quantities or or more prosperity than they did uh in the end and and i think that was unfortunate for him it, it just things just didn't seem to work out uh this year uh he was kind of overtaken by st john's first overall pick from from the bantam draft or or uh the you know the qmjhl entry draft which was joshua Waugh, um and and Waugh had a lot of growth in his game over the year but but uh Lawrence kind of um it, maybe it's a matter of him needing a new opportunity in the queue with another team and and uh, that could happen for sure. But but like I say, I I hope I hope he does get the opportunity to uh, take his skill set to the next level and and just show show what he does have. And he, he might not, not not ever have the upside of uh, a lot of other players in this in this class. But I think he can be a reliable player for for a team at, at a next level, not necessarily the NHL, but um, I think, given the opportunity, he has has some growth for
0: sure. Interesting. All right, Braden, that's all the players I got. What um, what do you got coming down the pipe on top prospects?
1: Well, I, I kind of been playing it day by day in this. There's <laughs> not situation. much to talk no, about, right. eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah, I've been I've been picking things out of the jar for sure. Um, uh, working on ha- the
0: uh, on the prospect report though. That's coming out in a few months, so that yeah. uh, that's something that we can all work on. It's yeah, something definitely. for the, the listeners to look forward to as well.
1: Yeah, I've been chip, chipping away at my Ranger prospects here day by day, so um, they're, they're definitely an interesting uh, system to keep an eye on. They've got a lot of, a lot of depth there and uh, a lot of good players to watch. So um, I, I definitely have no complaints about uh, co- covering the ranges for Dopper Prospects, for sure.
0: Right on. You bring good stuff, and this has been a, a great episode with a lot of good information on uh, some of the depth that the Q does or doesn't have to offer. So Braden Olafson, you follow him on Twitter at olaf1393, O L A F one three nine three, and uh, find his uh, find his work on on Dauber Prospects covering New York Rangers and the Q and uh, a variety of other issues. And he's a regular contributor on the podcast. So thanks for your time again, Braden, and uh, hopefully we can get back into some rinks sooner than later, right? Eh?
1: You bet. Thanks a lot for having me, Pete. Uh, take care.
0: Cheers.